0: Welcome everybody to another fun filled episode of the podcast. I am getting this connection unstable thing again. Are you hearing me? Okay. Yeah, you're fine. Okay, good. Last time I got an email after the show was over that, sorry, we had trouble or Google had some kind of problem. Anyway, we are live with episode 92 of the podcast. How do you deal with adversity? We're going to talk about problem solving. Um, it's the very first lesson that we teach in orientation when we bring in a new driver. Um, you know, it, if you if you don't understand that serving customers is number one managing risk is number two um you're going to be in trouble but if you don't know how to solve problems and deal with adversity um and not completely fall apart every time you have a problem um your 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 business is going to be an uphill climb um larry and i have gotten pretty good at problem solving um you know, he, he always says, G- just give us a minute, get us back to back in the foxhole and, and we'll figure it out. And it always comes in threes. Whenever trouble comes, when the first phone call comes, it's not going to be long before the second and third comes. And they usually all happen at once. So uh, just wanted to, you know, just wanted to kind of talk through this because you have to have, you know, in the medical field, they call it triage. You know, you've got to stop the bleeding first. Um, and, and it, you really have to shut off everything else, all the distractions, all the stuff that doesn't matter right now in this minute, what am I going to do to get myself out of this mess that has either been dumped in my lap or I have brought up on myself or I haven't prepared for, what are you going to do? Um, you know, we could make this podcast and just sit and tell stories for an hour about all the crazy stuff that happened to us. And you've heard a bunch of those stories. Um, but I think we should just kind of break down what it is we do when that phone call comes and a driver says, Hey, I'm in trouble. You know, we have to just stop everything that we're doing and we have to look around and I start with, okay, where are you? You know, where are are you on the side of the road? Are you in a truck stop? Because all the different, um, you know, I got to make sure you're safe first, you know? So safety is number one. You know, if you're on the side of the road, you know, get your triangles out, um, get your four ways on, and do everything you can to get into a safe position. Um, and then it's – let me tell one story. So when I first became an owner-operator yeah, – like, there, there won't just be one. Well, that's
1: true. Everybody just a little get one, ready, okay?
0: A little one. So when I first became an owner-operator, like real owner-operator, and I'm, I'm leased a Landstar <clears> – <throat> I'm a few months in and I'm going down the Bluegrass Parkway in Kentucky. I'm almost to Elizabethtown. And this big boom happens and scares the crap out of me. And I lose power and I hit the shoulder and it scared. I'm like it sounded like a bomb went off under my hood. Well, I open the hood, and on the passenger side, there's a big black rubber hose that connects the charge air cooler to the intake manifold. And it had blown a hole in that. And the spring's hanging out. And I pulled my phone out of my pocket and I looked at the TA app, I think at the time, and oh, I'm not very far from Glendale. And I started to call and I went, wait a minute. That's what a company driver would do. What am I going to do? Like how much is it going to cost me to have this, this person who probably doesn't know what they're doing from the TA or the Petro come up here at however many dollars a mile, and they're going to come up here. What are they going to do? Well, they're probably going to say, oh, your hose is broke. Now we need to get a hose. So Your your engine's locked up. (laughs) So I looked in my side box, and there was a roll of duct tape. Your
1: engine's locked up.
0: So I put the spring back. I took the hose off. I had just two clamps. I took the hose off. I put the spring back in it and I wrapped an entire roll of duct tape around that hose. And now I drove to the Petro. Well, now I don't have the road coffee and I don't have all their stuff. Now I'm at the Petro and I go in and they say, oh yeah, you we ain't got one of those. Okay. Where can I get one? Uh, Louisville. Well, that's in the wrong direction. I'm going South. Where can I get one? Nashville. Okay. Well, if you get one, what's it going to cost? $400. So I called Neely Coble on the phone. I Googled him, called him. I, hey, you, here's my VIN number. You got this part? Yeah, 200 bucks. Okay. And I drove that truck from exit 86 down to Nashville. I couldn't get on the gas very hard because that duct tape wouldn't hold all that compression, but it was enough to get me there. I got in. I got the part. I took the clamps back off. I threw the old one away. I put it back on there. That could have been... You know, that could have been $1,500, $1,800 by the time, not not even counting the lost revenue. By the time I'd have called somebody to come to the truck, they would have come to the truck and said, oh, we don't have one. And then they're going to have to go get one, probably in Louisville. And they're going to go to Louisville and they're going to come back. And the whole time I'm going to be sitting on the side of the road. And by the time they get done, it's going to be fifteen, eighteen hundred, two thousand dollars 1800 $2,000. I fixed it for 200 bucks but you got to be willing to step back and say, what can I do right now in this situation to make this better?
1: The other thing is you have to take matters in your own hands. If you rely on other people in this industry to solve your problems, you're going to be really, really disappointed with what you get in the most, for the most part. And that's the hardest thing that we have to teach new people that come to Landstar, or uh, really a- anywhere. But when you of know, course, we're attached to Landstar, but We have our drivers assume that they can just take their vehicle to a shop and and entrust that shop with their truck. And they're going to do everything they're supposed to do, the way they're supposed to do it, when they're supposed to do it, for the price they said they would do it. And none of those things are going to happen. Okay, none of them. So, you know, you, you have to understand that. You had to prepare yourself for the fact that you you can't count on anybody but you, you know. And and it you would think that you take your truck to a tire shop and a tire shop would know how to freaking mount a tire. But they don't. Okay. Nope. And you, you, you could even tell them how you want them to do it. And they'll run you off and they'll do it the way they want to do it, you know. And so you have to lurk. You have to go with only as far away as they can't see you where you can still see them and you have to watch everything they do because if you don't, they're going to leave you out there with one lug nut tight and the other nine loose, okay? I've had that happen, okay? I literally have had that happen. They hand me the keys, tell me it's done and I watch them, watch them torque none and tighten one down with the air wrench. Now, had I not watched that, I wouldn't have known that. And I'd have left there and within five miles I'd have been wrecked. Who knows how many people would have been hurt? Okay. So you you cannot you cannot trust anybody, you know, except what you see with your own two eyes. You also, if you're gonna do the things that we do with modifications and things that are outside the norm in this industry. Uh, then you have to educate whoever you're dealing with on how to work on that or how to do it, including tire pressure. Yep. Okay. How many times have we heard, oh, you can't do that. It'll blow up the the, the tire, you know? But yeah, I talked to the, 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 the most well-known expert in the truck tire industry in the world, okay? world, And he tells Gold. me that the tire if the tire were to explode, it would take 450 PSI to do it. Okay. He may have said 600, but the wheel might go at about double what's stamped on the wheel. But yet these morons will tell me that, well, that's, that, you can't do that. the And I'm like, well, I look, I've been doing it. I've had 140 PSI in these wide base singles. I've done it myself for years. You're telling me you can only put 120 in there. It's going to blow up. I'm walking around, breathing, and living, and bitching right now. Did it? Did it? Did it blow me up? You know. So it it just it, the ignorance is prevalent. It is uh, it's it's disheartening, disgusting, but it's prevalent, and um, we deal with this every day. And you can take it into whatever direction you want. Okay, um, not just repairs. There's all kinds of things that become crises in this business besides just maintenance work. You know. Um, Atlanta, sorry, everybody likes to bitch about brokers and agents, you know, uh, again, they don't anticipate, they don't ex- look for the unexpected, you know, they don't try to figure out um, how to solve it. So all they want to do is call the agent and throw the ball back in their court, which will get resolved, but it might not get resolved in your best interest. You know, we, we had a we may have talked about this, but we had a problem. We had, we had a, we had a situation in our fleet back in March with tolls. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have transponders in all of our trucks. So it doesn't require the driver to physically pull money out of his wallet and hand it to the people in the toll booth and, and feel that pinch of having to pay that bribe ransom to use that road extortion that's full of part potholes and you know anyway i digress so they can just fly under the the thing with our transponder and look It, it to them it's transparent i do this the tolls paid and you know so we made judgment calls we made decisions that weren't based on uh, proper solving problem solving techniques. We took the easy way out or we took the way out that you didn't have to think. All right. At the time we only had, I want to say eight trucks running seven. Tr- I don't know. It was less than yeah, what we have now.
0: Seven, yeah. Seven or eight. Yeah.
1: And at that time, my if projected out for the rest of the year, my toll bill would have been over $40,000 for seven trucks. Now, mind you, we now have 10 getting ready, actually 11 getting ready to add two more, 13. So that is unacceptable, you know, because as we all know, the BCO pays the tolls, right? Unless you can negotiate them into the, into the, the load. But that's another story. The bottom line is we had to talk to our drivers about this problem. Okay. Look, guys, here is a problem. This is not, you know, there are ways to get around tolls. All right. The problem is you have to think about it. You have to diagram, you have to analyze it, diagram it out, see how many more miles it's going to take, see how much more time it's going to take, see how much more fuel it's going to take. And is it worth it? Is it? Does it make sense to pay the toll or does it make sense to save the money and go 50 miles out of route? So, again, there's no blanket answer to that. But what we had to make them do is solve that problem every time they trip planned, you know, now that's another problem is that a lot of them weren't trip planning. Okay. Toll showed up. Well, I got to take the toll road because I didn't sit here and do my prep and find out that yes, there's another road here that I could have taken that wouldn't have required tolls. But but again, that was another problem. So we're in the problem solving business here. You know, we thinking about this, this um, thing tonight, it, it occurred to me that I named this business Blue Ribbon Logistical Solutions. We shorten it, abbreviate it, because that's a lot of words to say. But the most important word in that name, we leave out a lot. of We don't even use it in the podcast, the Blue Ribbon Podcast. So from now on, we're going to have a meeting Thursday afternoon with our drivers. From now on, we're not going to leave out the word solutions. Our company is Blue Ribbon Logistical Solutions because we provide solutions. We're experts at solutions. We're not going to leave that out of our name because that's our identity. That's what we do. That's what we teach people to do. So we're no longer going to leave that part of our identity to be discovered by people, you know, on the internet or whatever. So, um, we're going to not only, uh, identify it, but we're going to make people understand that that's what we're in business to do. That's what every business is in business to do, by the way. I just had the foresight to name ours that because at the time I thought that this business might end up solving different solutions, which turns out it's it's kind of doing that because we're doing things for different people. We have different kinds of customers here. We have freight customers. We have truck owner customers. We have employee driver customers. We have Lots of solutions that we solve here. So it, it's, it's, it's a, I put a lot of thought into choosing that name. And then I've let us over the years get away from it. And we're no longer going to do that. That's what we do. It's,
0: it's, a, it's against our, I don't know if it's nature or, or it's programming to not want to question. Not want to question the mechanic, not want to question the agent, not want to question the customer. It's one thing to question people and be a jerk about it. Um, you, you can, you can be tactful and, um, and, and do it with grace, but you have to question everything. And you also have to know when you're in charge and we tell our drivers Um, we, We give them the information that they need to have and we educate them. But when they're our agent and they're standing in the shop, you have to remind them to remind these people, hey, I'm the customer. I'm paying the bill. I am in charge. You will do what I tell you to do. There are two people on planet Earth that I will leave my truck in their care and walk away. Carl Bonecutter. Quentin Klein. That's it. I can I can hand my keys off to Carl, I can hand my keys off to Q, and I know they will do what I asked them to do. But that's it. That's relationship. But anybody else, I'm standing right there. Um, I'm not walking off. Um, I had one guy try that one time, um, at the I think it was that boss shop in Indy, and I looked at him and I said, who's paying the bill and he just gave me a blank stare and i said
1: i'm i'm going to know what's going on here but insurance regulations prevent it uh, i'll yeah. sign a waiver bring it down. Yeah. i'll sign around here you are not responsible for me getting my head blown off in your shop okay <laughs> but i am going to stand here by yeah. the way what do you like to drink i'm going to go get that for you
0: yeah <clears throat> i this industry oh Lies to people, especially drivers. Drivers are at the top of the list that get lied to. No. All right. You're <laughs> shitting me,
1: right? <laughs> All I, this time? I <laughs>
0: Yeah. I know it's shocking. It's shocking. I can't believe it. But for example, okay, now this is where we have to take some responsibility. Okay. Now I I fully acknowledge that if you've been a company driver for any amount of time that you have been lied to, you have been misled, you have been misinformed. But now I have to put some responsibility on you because I've got a visual aid here. (laughs) This right here. You can read this book. It's hard, but you can read it. So when somebody feeds you a line of BS about what the rules
1: are well it's right here okay or just say i'll just say show it to me here hand me this i'll hand you this you show it to me i also now this is a relic i got this out of larry's old truck
0: i don't know if any of y'all have seen one of these before okay but i am going to show you an example of something here um, i'd like
1: to have that back by the way bring that next week i want that. okay
0: um Today, and not for the first time, I had a driver call me and ask about uh, a, a weight issue with, uh, well, I'm, I'm overweight. Okay, tell me about it. Well, I'm 29,000 on the drives. I'm 35,000, 30, 36,000 on the trailer, and I'm 12,000 on the steers, and I can't move anything. And I said, Why? Well, I'll be heavy on the steers. I said, what's the legal weight for the steers? He said, 12,000. I said, what's the legal weight for the steers? He said, 12,000. I said, wrong.
1: But that's what his company told him. We're him. It's right here. Okay. Right here in this book. The reason
0: they say 12,000 is because if you're maxed out at 34 and you're maxed out at 34, that's 68. So eighty minus sixty eight is twelve, but twelve thousand pounds is not the limit on a steer tire or steer axle. It's that it's nowhere in that book that is twelve thousand pounds. It may be tire width,
1: right? Or, or tire ty- ty- tire rating, tire rating, tire, tire width, yeah. or
0: twenty thousand pounds. Okay, but these companies, of course, they 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 fundamentally believe that drivers are idiots. So they treat drivers like they're idiots, um, and then drivers act like idiots. So, but you got the book right there. If you want to know what the steer axle weight is in that state, look it up. If you want to know what the bridge wall, brawl for kingpin to trailer axle or kingpin to center of trailer axle or kingpin to center of rear axle, it's right there in that book. Pick it up and look at it, and then you'll know there's no guesswork. But we have a lot of people come here. Okay, and and they want the bounty of information, but they also won't be told what to do. Well, that's not how this works. It's wax on, wax off. I I will. I'll tell you probably once. But then the second time you ask the same question, I'm going to start pressuring you. I'm going to start pushing back on you to try to get you to seek that answer on your own. And my God, now, people, we got Google just, you know. So anyway. We have to be willing to question. We have to be willing to find the information on our own. What is that answer and where can I find it? The answer is not Facebook. Do not go to Facebook and seeking information, okay? Google's scary enough as it is, okay? With a little bit of discernment through Google, you can generally find what you're looking for. But you have to be willing to question what you've always been told, what you've always believed, and don't believe everything you think, You look out that windshield long enough, you can make up all kinds of stuff.
1: Well, and you need to recognize the difference between opinion and fact. Okay. And you know how to tell that? It's really, really easy. There's one simple question you can ask when somebody gives you some answer like that, that you can immediately tell if it's opinion or fact. Here it comes. And the the question is, why? tell tell me why. Why? Why? Why can't you put more than 120 pounds of uh, air in a tire and just listen and shut up and he'll reveal to you immediately his lack of knowledge, his lack of anything. Now, you know that that's opinion, not fact. Okay. So it's the easiest question in the world, but nobody uses it. They'd rather go to Facebook and ask somebody else who doesn't know any more about it than you do their opinion. I, that that blows me away why somebody would go on Facebook. That would be like walking into a truck stop, sitting down in the middle of the liar's counter and asking somebody in there for, for knowledge. Okay. If there's 20 people in there, you'll get 30 different answers and none of them will probably be correct. No, but that's what we do. And the one guy that does have the correct answer will be laughed out of the room. And the guy, the guy that told you that he couldn't put more than 20, the only way he knows it's because somebody told him that, that trained him and they trained him by, come over and watch me for a few days. You'll see how I do this. And that's his training. You know, it, it's, it's sad. I'll repeat. It's sad, sickening, disgusting, but it's what we have to deal with. Okay. So the way you prepare yourself from this is arm yourself with the facts or the resources to get those facts and don't accept anything else. There's many, many times when we tell somebody, screw off, give him my keys back, void that ticket, we're leaving. Okay? Yep. It's easy. It's your truck. You're the guy paying the bill. Okay? I control this transaction, not you. And, oh, by the way, if you go in there and pay a bill and you didn't look it over, line by line by line by line, you're leaving money on the table. We had a bill just two days ago to do a partial PM. We don't change oil here. You all know that. So a partial PM, it was $340 the first bill we saw. Chris got a hold of it, called the people back. And within about 30 seconds, the bill ended up being $202. Now that's about a 35% difference just by questioning. He didn't get nasty. He didn't pull any guns out. All he did was say, what, what, explain this. Why? Why are you charging me to check the gearboxes when it comes with a chassis lube? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Why are you charging me an hour labor to drain air tanks? Oh, oh yeah, well I t- <laughs> and this is this is not every once in a while. Our guys know that we don't pay any bills until Chris or I or both go over them, line by line by line by line by line. And how much money do you think we save, Chris, in the years that we've done that? Oh. I mean, it's crazy how much money that we didn't spend that most people would have just wrote the check. The first time I found this, I'm going to tell you a little, a little quick little story how, when I first got in this business, okay. Now look, uh, years ago, I used to be in the service, in the automotive service business. Y'all know that. It's what I did. Okay. I unscrewed, screwed up dealerships. Boy, could I make a killing in this industry? Okay. Oh yeah. (laughs) So... I go to pick up my truck after having it worked on one of the very first times I did this and I'm looking over the bill and I'm, I'm charged like $190 for wire. I'm going, damn. So I went to the, I went, I said, I want to see this. Show me the wire that my truck needed. It was, I thought maybe a wiring harness that, you know, engine, you know, guy, t- guy looks at it and goes, well, I just used like, I don't know, 12 inches of that. I'm like, oh, well, where's the other, you know, where's the other $189 worth of it? So we go to the parts department with the service writer who now is totally, you know, blown away. And I asked the parts guy, I said, can, look at this right here. Show me this wire. That's $190. Can, can you, he looked at it and all of a sudden he kind of got blushing, you know, he's kind of got, cheeks, kind of got a little rosy and everything. And he goes, looks like I charged for the whole roll. <laughs> yeah, you did. Looks like I ain't gonna pay for the whole role. How's that? So, you know, again, maybe it's an oversight. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It's happened more and more. It's happened certainly more than that one time where we got charged for an entire, you know, something rather. But again, most fleets would have written that check from the from the the uh, maintenance office. Never looked at it. Never. These guys get away with this crap so much they don't. Nobody cares. Nobody looks. You're driving somebody else's truck. You don't give a crap what the, what it cost. Okay. Mm. That's not how we teach our guys here. The first thing we tell them in the first two or three hours of being here, this works only if you drive my truck, just like it's yours. And if you don't, this won't work and you won't work. So it, you can't be a company driver here. You can't just not care. It won't work here. It also won't work when you're in your own business. And that's what he- we're here to do is to, um, teach you through wax on wax off how to do for yourself, what you do for us. So it's, um, it, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not rare that we have to do this. It's every freaking time we do something, we have to do this. It's rare than we don't. Yeah. Once in a while, we'll get a, usually it's a $25 chassis lube. We'll write that check. They, it, it, except for not checking the gearboxes and charged for that, there's not much more they can screw that up with. Okay, but beyond that, it's uh, it requires our our intervention. Now, there's we're, we're concentrating a lot on maintenance here, which is, is a big deal. It's a it's a big expense if you don't watch your P's and Q's. And you're it's it's, spend where a lot of most, money. it's where the most
0: it's where the most chaos is, you know, it, it, a load cancels, you know, that's a problem, obviously. Um, but when the truck breaks down, that's the most chaotic because you're kind of out on an Island and, you know, if, for me, when that happens, you know, I just, I have to start thinking, well, it, it can I get somebody to the truck? Will the truck move at all? Uh, can we get somewhere? We're going to have to send somebody there. Um, you know, that's, that's fraught with problems. I sent two, I sent two road services after one truck one day and we oversolved that problem. Yeah. Big time, you know, <laughs> but you think, okay, so let, well, that's a perfect example. Let's think about that. So I've got a truck that's got a leak brake chamber and she can't move. Right. Cause the, the, the one wheel, uh, position is locked up. So I go to truck down and I call the first one, no answer. I call the second one. Leave a voicemail. I call the third one. I get somebody, but they're not available. I call the fourth one. They got somebody. They're available. Okay, great. Send them over there. Well, what I didn't realize is like the third person I called. Called me back, but didn't identify themselves as the fourth person. And they're like, oh, what's the address? And, and I'm thinking, well, I just gave it to you. But here it is, you know, because I'm just trying to solve the problem. What I didn't realize is I had pulled the trigger on two guns. And so one guy shows up and the other one pulls up within minutes of each other. And then the driver calls me and she's like, there's two people here trying to fix my truck. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, now I have two people that want to get paid because they came out, you know. Um, But, you know, you have to think very strategically about that because you may have to call six or eight people to try to get somebody to come. Well, now you have to make sure once you have engaged one, identify them, know who they are, know what their phone number is and get them rolling so that they, um, you know, they're the ones coming and, and they're the ones authorized to do the work, but it's very, you know, and if you are a first time owner operator and you don't have a support system like us or, uh, there's nobody to call you are the guy, and especially with landstar man you you have to be you are all of those people that you hated when you were a company driver. all those people that were behind that wall that you weren't allowed into, all the customer service people and the load planners and the coordinators that's you now. you get to be those those people and there's nobody to pass the buck to the buck stops with you. And that's a scary place to be if you're not prepared for it.
1: Well, we also take a lot of crap for the way that we, um, book loads, you know, because, you know, we, we book loads usually uh, at least a week out, you know, so that's usually four loads, sometimes five, if we go into the next week, you know, and, You know, adversity strikes there as well. You know, it's not unusual that in with 10 trucks, soon to be 13, that a load in the middle of a tour, we we call a planned out week a tour, okay? Load in the middle of a tour will cancel. Sometimes at the very last minute, like today or yesterday. I guess it was today. Today, yeah. And so... You know, uh, there again, you can make it as you can, you can become defeated and just go, Oh, this is not going to work. I'm and, and, and when you talk to people at Landstar that don't stack loads, that's generally the reason they don't do it because this has happened to them more than once. It requires a lot of problem solving and processing of information and it requires you to, to, to have to react, uh, immediately, usually to solve the problem. So the easiest way to solve the problem is not to get into it to the begin with, but here's the problem with that. Okay. When you're booking a load at Landstar and probably anywhere else for that matter, um, today for today, it's a very long process because it's hard to find a load that, that is still, Um, needing a truck today for today, a lot of the load board stuff has been covered. It hasn't been taken off because the, the way the load board works more than one agent books it. And so it doesn't automatically come off because another agent booked. It doesn't mean all the other ones come off. So you have all these loads on the load board that may not be available, probably aren't going to be available for today. And so it's frustrating to try to find that, that, to, to repair that problem, um, uh, that, that, that canceled load to replace it, um, in, in, a, in, 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 uh, immediately it, it's very difficult to do that. It's difficult for us and and I'm not driving, I can sit here and make phone calls and I don't have to steer, you know, a truck down the road. Imagine if you're a one truck, one owner and you're do- booking your own loads and you get a load canceled, you've got to stop what you're doing. And, and, but here's the difference though. You know, you're people at Landstar that make a lot of money. There are people at Landstar that don't make very much money. The average owner operator in this country makes $67,000 according to ATBS, who's the largest accounting system for owner operators in the country. That's their number, not mine. So we know that our average at Landstar per truck is over $150,000. Okay. So you can come to work at Landstar doing general freight, drive in and make over $150,000 a year, but it requires you to be able to maximize your time and your, your, um, and manage your, um, uh, your clock. And so the best way to do that is not to spend time looking for loads. So it's a lot easier to find a load today for next week than it is to find a load today for today. Plus the other thing you want to do here is develop relationships with agents so that they're calling you, offering you freight that's not even on the load board. You've got to make that decision days in advance. You know, we get loads off. We have a load booked right now for a week from this Monday, you know, so it, it's not unusual for us to have this type of opportunity to book freight. But again, what happens is when you do that, then a load cancels. You have to solve that problem. Sometimes solving that problem means you have to suck it up and deadhead. Okay? Uh, otherwise, you're going to uh, possibly fracture a relationship with you have with a good agent. That happened a week ago to, to one of our drivers. He's in Chicago. His load to Indiana canceled. We couldn't find a load to replace it. The load in the rest of his tour was good. We had agents on the rest of that tour that we had relationships with. It was two or 300 miles. We put him in the wind, you know, and we kept him on track, you know? So a lot of, a lot of pieces would go, they would think you're nuts for doing that. But again, I, our trucks average over 150 grand a year. Okay. So it's not too nuts. It wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing it if it, if it, if it didn't make sense monetarily. So again, that's, again, that's that go back to the toll example. That's a decision that we look at. You know, it's not one that we just go snap and do it, but we look at all the options. Is the option, do we cancel his tour? Okay. And start over again and build a load from where he is, which would still involve us having a load for today, which might take 50 phone calls to get. Or do we stay on the tour, you know, keep everything intact, still get the driver home for the weekend, you know, and suck up the deadhead for a couple hundred miles to, to, uh, because of a canceled low. That's dealing with adversity. How are you going to deal with it? You know, what we didn't do was throw the baby out with a bathwater and go, oh, script. we're not going to do that anymore. You know? No, we're going to do it. We're going to continue to do it because most of the time it works out that way. It's kind of like playing blackjack in the casino. Okay. If you play blackjack in the casino and you play, play by the basic strategy, though that's all based on mathematics, not on emotion, not on streaks, not on mathematically. The correct play is what's taught in basic strategy. Does it work every time? No, but if you do it enough, the law of large numbers and the law of averages start to come together and those mathematical things work out. It's no different here when you're making decisions and you make them on emotion and not on logic. Okay. You're probably not making the right decision. And so we try to stay away from that. We try try not to use emotion. When we make decisions, we make decisions based on the numbers, the data, you know, facts, not opinions. And you have to, by the way, I won 400 bucks playing blackjack Friday night. Well done.
0: There's a, uh, almost a passion, right? It's easy to quit, you know, and just say, all right, well, you know, I'm done. Um, and you just, but you just have to keep fighting through. And one of the myths that need to be dispelled, um, is when you're, you're kind of living with a false sense of security. Well, I run new trucks with a warranty. I don't have any problems as if, (laughs) as if that's somehow an indemnification and it's really not it. May have been somewhat true before 2003, you know, but it's not true now, um, because people would just automatically assume, uh, oh, well, if I have an older truck, I'm going to have more problems. No, if you have an older truck, you're going to have problems. They're solvable. When you have a 2018, you're going to have problems and some of them are not solvable, especially when you have to go to the dealership and they can't find a blown fuse because
1: they can't find the laptop to plug not in. Not a blown fuse, a missing fuse. Right. A missing fuse. <laughs> it's not like they looked at it and couldn't tell if it was good. They looked at it and there's a hole there and they go, oh, there's no fuse there. Yeah. Well, five, but that's na- the problem. five days. They, they didn't even look. Five that's days the they had it. Carl finds it in an hour. Come get your truck. We've got the truck fixed. What was it? The fuse is missing. But now they won't hire him because he can't pass the certification test. But every time I take a truck to a dealership, I have to take it to him and have him unscrew what they did. Yeah. He's
0: got one right now. If y'all remember the $4,000 clutch, um, that we dealt with, um, he's, he's got it right now and trying to undo a bunch of garbage. Um,
1: you know, he wouldn't, he would have worked on it to begin with, except he was on vacation that week and we had to get it done. So we had to go to another place and got their basic clutch deal, which turned out that nothing comes with it. This is a hydraulic yeah. clutch. Oh, well, we can't with that hydraulic clutch uh, adjustment and, and, and Fluid and all that stuff, that's not part of the basic thing. But nobody bothered to tell us that until the truck gets floored and won't pull out of the dock. Yeah. The the the
0: problem solving is a basic part of business. And and it's every business, not just trucking. You know, if you're if you're running a restaurant and your oven quits. Or your refrigeration unit goes bad, and you've got God knows how many thousands of dollars in that big walk-in cooler, and all of a sudden the walk-in cooler's not working. Uh, you better figure out a way, you know. And uh, have you seen the thing about Starbucks? Get on Facebook and ask them what they do. There, there's some kind of a uh, uh, big controversy about Starbucks that they're they're running out of cups or lids or, or something. And, and, and and I remember here, it was some news clip and they were talking about it. And this girl's like, we had to go to the grocery store to buy cups. And I'm like, yeah, you probably did. But they were like blown away that you would have to go to Walmart to buy cups, to put the coffee in because you can't,
1: you know, don't forget, don't forget our first experience at the barbecue restaurant in your town (laughs) during orientation. Don't forget yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah. I go we in there. With, I go in there with seven or eight people. Okay. Nobody's in a restaurant. Okay. So obviously we're going to sit there and spend, I don't know, a couple 300 bucks. Okay. Oh yeah. First thing they told us, they came in the door. We can't take credit cards. Our credit card machine. no, oh, no. Our credit card machine's out of paper. We can yeah. take credit cards. Okay. So uh, now let's forget the idea that somebody was uh, responsible for not noticing that they were out of credit card paper and having that that would be like you run out of fuel okay now, oh that's a shock i ran out of fuel oh yeah because the gauge told you this morning you're about to run out of fuel and you just kept driving leave that alone for a minute okay so we go in here and i want my guys to have this barbecue all right that's what i want i wouldn't have came there if i didn't want them to have this barbecue so i really really screwed them up i said well um we you take cash? Well, yeah, we do. You have an ATM? No, I don't have an ATM. So they were going to basically told us to leave. They said, well, we just can't wait on you because we don't have any credit card paper. I said, "Tell, what, I'll make you a deal. I said, if you can't find, if you can't fix your credit card problem by the time we get done eating, I'll leave the guys here. I'll drive down the street to an ATM and get the cash and I'll come back and pay you. How about that? I Where had to solve mind. their problem. Oh, yeah, oh, They just like. Wow. Well, I I didn't think about that. I had to solve their problems for them so that I can go in there and spend $300 at their restaurant when it was empty. Okay. Now, obviously that was not the owner. That was an employee. I'm sure. I hope it was. 100%. You know, you know, so again, that's a company driver right there. That's a company driver solution to the problem right there. You guys can't eat here. We don't have any paper for our credit card machine. I'm sorry. You you, can, we, you can't do it. Have you ever been to a Walmart or someplace where they couldn't scan your S, your SKU code, your APU thing, so they couldn't say anything? Yeah. I bet you, and I'm going on a limb here. We don't have an Ace Hardware in my town. Okay. I wish we did. But I bet you if you go to an Ace Hardware and they can't find the thing on the computer, I bet you they say you that stuff. I bet you they find a way to say you that. Mm-hmm. Just Just projecting that. We, if you if you own the store, and you have all this in, in inventory, all this, wouldn't it suck right now to own fast food restaurant? Can you imagine oh, investing wow. a million dollars in a McDonald's and have to hire who we have to hire now to operate you? Can you imagine what what I you you I would never leave. I, I would never be able to leave the restaurant and leave it in the hands of the people that we have that. You know, I think McDonald's needs to add a third window. OK, they need the first window to pay. They need the second window to get the stuff. They need a third window for you to throw the stuff back in that you didn't order. OK, so anyway, I digress. But that's what that's that's how company drivers solve problems. Oh, screw it. I just won't do it. No. Connecticut. Just pass some kind of damn tax thing, okay? All over Facebook. Well, screw it. They're not going to get any shit from me. I'm not driving up there. That's the the solution to the problem. Yep. Screw them. We should all boycott Connecticut, all right?
0: And Tennessee and New York and all the other states that charge mileage tax that you don't even know about.
1: Let me tell you how I'd solve that problem, okay? I'd let all those guys say that, and I would go up there. I would find a way, okay? to absorb that cost because here's what's going to happen. This is a supply and demand business. All right. Yep. As soon as the supply goes away, the demand goes up. I'll run Connecticut all day long and I'll negotiate it in the price of the, of the rate. You know, I'm not going to throw We're not going to not go to Connecticut because of uh, some time, some kind of damn tax. It's it, again, knee jerk, stupid answers to problems instead of, dealing with adversity and finding a solution, you know, solutions are just an opportunity. That's all they are. I mean, uh, I I mean, adversity is just an opportunity for solutions. That's all it is.
0: We went to that same barbecue restaurant, by the way, same girl. And my mom is 79 walks with a cane. You know, it takes her 20 minutes to get from the car to the seat. And mom wanted to know what kind of pie they had. And the girl goes, "Well, they're in that case over there, yeah. which is like 15 yards, but for mom, might as well be a mile." You know, she's like, "Well, they're over in that case," and I'm, and I, I, I didn't.
1: My, my wife goes, "I go said,
0: ahead. look, she can barely walk, so and well, I'll go over there and write them down." And I, mm, yeah, my wife gave me the eye, and I had to stop.
1: My wife, uh, first of all, she still thinks that when you go to a place like Home Depot, or whatever, and you ask somebody f- for for some information, that they honestly have knowledge. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, D- don't you understand something? Yesterday, they were picking up paper in the parking lot. Okay, they know nothing about electrical products. All right they they know less about it than you do. There's no reason to ask them a question. You mm-hmm. cannot get the right answer. All right. So, again, it's, it's like our it's like our drivers turn over their truck to the technicians, assuming that they know what they're doing and they're going to do them a good job. OK, that's a false assumption. By the way, my wife, her first job was at McDonald's. Now, this was back in the. Seventies. OK, back when they had real meat. And they did not. They had a cash register, but all it was was a cash drawer. Okay, it didn't tell you how much change to give. You didn't punch in what the you had to literally have to add the 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 signboard. Look, uh, Google up uh, a McDonald's menu from 1971. Look at it. okay. So you had to as as the employee. Okay, you had first of all you had no math. Okay. Um, you had to be able to add up the twenty-five cents, the fifteen cents, and the eighteen cents, and come up with whatever it is, and make change without something telling you how much change you get. You ever gone someplace and give them twenty dollars and ten cents, and they look at you and go, "What's that ten cents for?" You know, because <laughs> I want a dollar back. Oh, well, how you go? And they give you all the thing they give they're, they're what they tell you and your little ten cents back instead of. And now you've got a dollar ten instead of you know what I am saying. Um. We're, we've we've completely completely lost the ability to 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 deal with adversity, to problem solve. It it is a rare. There's no such thing as common sense. Common sense is not common, it's uncommon. And we're here trying to teach people how to survive in business. Okay, and you cannot survive in business if you cannot deal with adversity. All right, there's not a day goes by that we don't deal with adversity. There's not a day goes by. I see Rocky's on here. I guarantee you he doesn't have a day goes by that doesn't have a, I saw a thing on Facebook today. It had a picture of a broken bolt. It says every quick job is one broken <laughs> bolt away from three days, three day yeah. job. I bet you Rocky can tell you that, you know, uh, how, how, uh, how every day's not normal. Not, you know, it, it doesn't have adversity. All right. So it's, um, there you go. 70 cents for a quarter pounder in 1974. When I was in high school, all right, we used to, we used to leave campus, which was illegal. And we went to McDonald's. Uh, the, the school lunch was 42 cents. That was a school lunch, okay? <laughs> 42 cents. I could go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger fry and a small drink for 68 cents. Okay? So for 26 cents more, I could get food you could eat, okay? <laughs> As opposed to food that you can't even tell what it is. So that's um, a little perspective there. Just anyway. So we dealt with adversity. The school lunch would make, would kill you. Okay. <laughs> we went to McDonald's. It probably still will kill you, but back then it was a little healthier than it is now. But anyway, uh, as a 17 year old, he really didn't give a crap about no. fat. Fat. fat fr- that fry. iron stomach. Hell yeah. So, um, mm. you know, it, that was how we dealt with adversity, you know? So we, We, we solved the problem. We, we had to walk. You weren't allowed to drive to school. So we had to park off campus. We had 30 minutes. We had to get to the car, get to McDonald's order, get back, eat and get back in class in 30 minutes. That was the solution to the adversity of having to eat in the cafeteria mystery meat day. You know, (laughs) what is that? I know I know.
0: Yeah. Larry talks a lot about identity, you know, and, and it's so important. And, and I think it, it takes a while really to sink in that you have to change how you look at yourself. You have to think about how you view yourself and, and how you value your own knowledge and experience because it gets put to the test. And it's so easy to say, Oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, I I just need to call somebody. Well, I'm here, you know, I've I've had to tell one of the new guys, uh, to call me and he's like, well, I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, but this program, you don't really get much out of being like the five-year-old. That's like, I did it myself. Yeah. And you screwed it up. You know, you need to lean on me. You need to call me. Um, you know, I I I do it all by myself. Doesn't that's what got you here? You know, you did it all by yourself, and now you're here. You're here to to learn this. You need to lean on us. You need to call us when you're in that pinch, that pickle. Uh, it's a whole lot easier for me to unwind it before you go down that road than once you've gone down that road and I have to get you out of the mess that you've created. Um, because this is hard. It's not easy. And that, that's why this program exists to try to get you some insulation, um, while it's Larry's rear end on the line and not yours, you know, <laughs> uh, cause it's tough, you know, and, and you, you have to be willing to clean out a lot of the stuff that you thought you knew or that you think, you know, um, and, and and put n- new new concepts and and new procedures
1: in there. Well, I can't stress enough. You have to quit making decisions based on feeling. Okay, that that's not, you know, that that will not serve you well most of the time. All right, even though it might make you feel good at the time, uh, there's usually unintended circum or, or consequences from those types of decisions. You know, we don't make decisions like that. People ask us all the time, "Does does your?" Co- I- I used to go fuel up my truck, okay? When I was still driving. And always there's, you know, somebody wants to make conversation. I could really I did not want I just want to fuel my truck, get in the truck, and leave, okay? But somebody come up to you and go, Hey man, does your company make you run them wide tires? <laughs> I get that all the time. Well, I am the company, and no, they don't make me. I do it because of the I, there's a reason for doing it. And they just look at you like, so you do that voluntarily. Yeah, yeah, I do that. You know, we do everything for a reason. When There's not a a reason why that we do things other than there's a reason for it. And not just a reason for it, but a scientific or fact-based, numbers-based behind the decision. What are you going to do when you have a blowout, Larry?
0: What are you going to do when
1: you have a blowout? Well, I, I, it's very simple. I call somebody to come fix the damn thing. Okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know? So, um, I- anyway, it, it's, it, 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 it scares people sometimes to, to, well, look, we've got a live event coming up in a couple of weeks. The first morning that live, event, I will scare the crap out of everybody in there. <laughs> okay. When I tell them how much money they've left on the table. All right. I've had people cry. It's a big number. I've had people cry, okay? It scares the hell out of them when they understand that the decisions they've made have cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially if they keep making those decisions once they know. Because, see, we all know that no one doing are two different things. You know, we've said that before. We know if you eat the wrong shit, it's bad for you. It makes you get fat. We know if you smoke, it'll kill you, okay? We know if you drink it, might hurt your liver, but yet we all voluntarily do it, even with knowing the risks, okay? So if you keep voluntarily doing the crazy stuff you do after I explain to you what it's costing you, I can't help you, okay? I'll help you if you'll listen. I'll help you if you'll incorporate the things into your operation. We'll save you a whole, whole, whole lot of money, all right? If you come here and you learn how to control your cost and you learn how to not go in debt to buy a truck and you don't go lease a damn truck for $875 a week and then call me and want to go, want to go how to undo it. You know, we, we, can, we can stop all of that, but you got to listen and you got to be willing to, to be reasonable and use common sense and make decisions based on facts, not on what they said. And it's scary. It's scary because look, there's a lot of people that don't want to be made fun of, you know, it doesn't bother me. You can call me whatever you want. I don't care. You know, just uh, call me. I might wave at you on the way to the bank. Okay. Cause I go there every day. All right. So, you know, I have got no problem with that. You can call me whatever you want. All right. But I don't have to worry about, you know, um, somebody call me and going. Well, you sure screwed me with this deal. You know, Can can't what do you call people that own leasing companies? What do you call them? What do you call these fleets that lease these trucks to people right out of CDL school? You know, it's criminal. I bet they don't call them what they call me, but I'm the damn lunatic. You know, it's just amazing. It's amazing to me how we keep people from making these mistakes, but we're the ones that are the lunatics, you know? No, that's like I told you, what we do isn't common. It, it It's common sense, but it's uncommon. And it's just, uh, it's just sad. It really is sad. You know, um, it's good in a way because we've made a, a nice little program here where, you know, we're, what we're doing, you know, it, 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 it scares me a little bit by how much w- this, this thing's growing, you know? It it it's it you know it we're having to slide I have only I can only probably take a handful of people for an event that we're gonna have a month from now. It's gonna sell out probably this week. That yep. scares me a little bit because well it didn't scare me. It just makes me understand, it puts pressure on me because I have to deliver. You know, they're coming, they're paying money to come hear me talk about what I do, you know. And it's um, you know, it's flattering. I'm honored by it, but it also is a little bit of pressure, you know, cause I mean, these people expect me to, you know, to deliver the goods and, um, we, uh, we'll deliver the goods. Okay. I can promise you that. So, and we got some things up our sleeve too. So. Yeah.
0: Let me roll through and see here as we get ready to close out, see if there's any comments. Here's one. Arnaldo Gonzalez, do you guys install APUs on your trucks? Thank you for all the great knowledge you're sharing. Um, if it has one when we buy it, um but it's not something they're such a pain in the ass to deal with. Uh, my God. I was I've I've been going back through our maintenance records and trying to kind of clean things up and get things into a spreadsheet and I ran across some APU bills today on one of our trucks. You wanna talk about criminals and thieves. Uh these people run these APU shops. God almighty. We've spent a fortune um on one Thermo King APU, I mean, hell, we could have bought two of them for what we spent on that one. Um, I
1: just, I can't, maybe if fuel was $5 a gallon, maybe. Well, that's, that's what, look, when I got in the, in the business, there were no APUs. Okay. Then 2009 hit and fuel got to be over $4 a gallon. Then everybody started looking at APUs because at that point in time, it made sense because, you could, there was a return on investment. You could, you could plot it out. All right. Back then those things cost about $8,000. All right. And you could, and fuel was costing almost $5 a gallon. It cost me a thousand dollars to fill up my tank. I couldn't even fill it up because our fuel car stopped at $999.99. 99. I couldn't top off for the whole year of oh no, no, nine and 10. All right. So at that point, you could make sense of it. You know, the question you asked me is a math problem today. Now, look, fuel, I know is inching up, but up until right now, I would say we we do not put them on. If they break, we probably won't fix them. okay? because there's no you can't make a return on your investment. The fuel is cheaper than now. We we don't just just like with the tolls. We don't just let the drivers idle, you know, from the time they leave the house to the time they get back. We control that, you know, if you're going to get out of the truck, you turn it off, you know, hell, we're going to talk about this on Thursday. Okay, listen, I have a, I had a pair of screens and a turbo fan, you know, it, and when it, when it, the sun goes down and the temperature drops down into the seventies, you can put the windows down, put screens in and put a fan on, and turn the damn motor off. You know, how many times have I walked down to the, the parking lot of a, of a, of a truck stop and you look and there's damn, there's, 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 uh, uh, Evaporation hang coming in the inside windows. It's so damn cold in the truck, and I'm looking at it, seventy degrees outside. That guy's in there freezing. I'm thinking I need to knock on the window. He's probably froze. He won't be able to get up anymore. He'll be dead. You know. Uh,
0: I resemble. It, I resemble that remark.
1: Yeah. Well, when you start paying the fuel, you'll quit resembling that remark. <laughs> so you know, you just you have to control it. You know, it's like anything else. You just have to understand that if you're going to idle for six or seven hours. Now, look, I used to drive at night. I had to sleep during the day. All right. So that's different than sleeping at night. Sleeping during the day, it gets, it's a hundred degrees. All right. In a truck sleeping at night, it's not. So if I'm, look, if I'm going to buy a truck, I'm probably not going to put an APN. I've certainly gotten going to spend, you know, $15,000 on one of these damn things. And they're expensive to maintain. They're yes. very expensive to maintain. So I just do the math. If you can't make the return on investment hell, no, I wouldn't do it, especially right now. Now, if fuel gets crazy again, maybe, but I, I, I would say no for me, it'd be, a, it'd be a, it'd be a, a solid no for me, you know? So, Yeah. but there again, I listen, I've driven through Texas without air conditioning before, you know, I've got pansies that won't do that. Okay. They think they're going to melt if they have to roll the windows down and go through Texas, you know, but look, i i I guess I'm tougher than most guys. I don't know. It's not that. It's just that I know what it costs. Listen, let me tell you a little quick story. I sold a truck to a guy, one of my drivers. He drove for me for about, I'm going to leave his name and all the thing else because he might be listening. But he drove for me for about two years as an employee driver. And then he convinced me to sell him a truck, which I did. And if when he drove for me, if the vent, if the cigarette lighter didn't work, I had to fix it immediately. Okay. Now, look, I don't let stuff go with important stuff on a truck. We, we we do 120 day inspection to fix stuff, not to hide from it. But right. if, if it, if the seat squeaked, I had to fix it. Okay. It, it There's just nothing that would happen that I didn't have to, it became a crisis. Adversity struck and I had to solve that problem immediately. Okay. Because he was a little kind of a pansy. All right. So I sell him this truck. I, he calls me the first week he been. the air con the AC compressor locked up, busted the belts locked up. I okay, well, uh, you know, are you gonna fix it? Well, I, I I don't think so right now. I'm just gonna short belt it and I'm gonna run it this way for a little while until I can get the money to fix it. Isn't that interesting? Now, if I had owned the truck, I'd have to flow to flown to Texas and fix the damn truck myself. You know, here now he's down in the south, the deep south with no air conditioning. He's not, I talked to him two years later, two years later, he lives in the deep South. All right. He still hadn't fixed that air conditioner two years later. Isn't that interesting? I got Listen, I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Well,
0: I, I've got my own. Cause I can tell you that I listen, my candy ass will melt when it gets hot. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, right. But, well, the first time my air conditioner broke in my truck, and I called the TA, you know, hey, air conditioner's broke. What's it gonna cost? And Well, by the time they got done, it was gonna be a thousand dollars, and it was a it was a line from the compressor to the condenser, and I thought, well, there's no way I'm paying them a thousand dollars to do this. So I got on YouTube and I watched a couple of videos about how to charge it. I watched a guy charge air conditioning on a Subaru Forester, and I went to, uh, I went to the Freightliner dealer and I picked up the line. It was like 60 bucks. I went to Harbor freight, got me a set of manifold gauges and an air operated vacuum pump that I could, um, you hook it to your red airline and it blows air through it and creates a vacuum. So I could vacuum it down like the dude did on the video. And I sat in a home Depot parking lot. And I took that line off and I put the line on and I had my little cans of free on, I got at Walmart and I fixed that air conditioner in that parking lot for a cost of about, you know, including the tools like 200 bucks, you know? And, um, beyond that now it's like, well, wow, AC is not all that complicated, you know, matter of fact, we picked up this Volvo and had the bull gear had gone out of it. And, um, so I pick it up and the guy had a wire issue or something with the AC. He fixed that. And I get going down the road and I'm, I'm just melting in and I'm thinking, why is this thing not working? So at one point I was climbing a hill and I dropped down to 1300 RPMs and air conditioner started working. And I'm like, but I go up to 1500 and it stops and down to 1300. And, so I hit a rest area and I'm on a Volvo, which is nice. They have this little box on the firewall that shoots fault codes about the AC and it'll flash little lights. And I look and it's a red light flashes twice means it's overcharged. Okay. Mm-hmm. I took cap off screwdriver jammed in there, let a little bit out, waited let a little bit more out green light. I now have air conditioning. Uh, I wasn't going to drive the thing 1500 miles before I got back with them to fix it. I'm going to figure it out. But that's, 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 that's the difference of, of success and failure. Is, is the willingness to figure it out. Whatever information you've got to go find, go to YouTube, go to Google, call somebody that has experience in that, You know, network with some other owner operators that you can call and say, hey, I've had this problem.
1: What am I going to do? Uh, giving up never solves it. You know, It, ne- it never works. You, know, you have to put out some effort. You have to put out a lot of effort. You know, but at the end of the day, what's the reward? Why are you in here? What, what are you here for? Okay. If you're going to be an owner operator and make $67,000, you're better off staying as a company driver. There's no risk. You know, all those people you think you hate, you won't hate them once you become all those people as an owner operator. You'll appreciate them now when you go back. But if you're going to do all this and take the risk and and work this hard and everything, at least do it for a decent return, you know? If, if you come to Lanser and you're not making 150 grand after expenses before taxes, I'm going to tell you, you're lazy or you just don't care. Or you farm half the time and you only drive half the time. Okay. Well, we've got some people, I just don't care about making that much money. And I said, th- look at them. I go, how old are you? Well, I'm 55. Well, let me ask you a question. How long have you been working? Well, I've been working since I was 20. So you've been working 35 years. In your mind, I want you to add up how much money you've made in 35 years. Don't answer it, just in your mind. Now, I want you to think right now, what's the largest check you can write me right this minute? Yeah, that's what I thought. But you don't really care about making much money. Well, maybe had you cared about making much money for the past 35 years, and on top of that, like my old buddy Art Williams always says, make and save money, maybe you wouldn't have to worry about making that much money when you're 55. But since you didn't worry about it then, we have to worry about it now. All right. And if you're going to drive one of my trucks, I do care about making money. So we have two people here that have to be pleased out of this deal. You know, Um, I had another thing I was going to talk about, Chris, when you were talking about the air conditioner. Oh, I was going to say the Volvo. He says Volvo. I need you to understand. We have a 2000 Volvo with a Detroit engine. It's a um, unicorn. They only made them for three years. 99 uh 99, 2000 and it has a twelve seven detroit engine so i don't want you i don't want to see the comments well, you're driving a damn volvo well yeah we are but it's not what you think so yeah and it's, it's not fuel it's a fuel mileage machine uh, um yeah
0: that, that thing gets fantastic fuel mileage well i don't see much else in the comments i, th- I guess we can wind it down we're gonna start doing this every week Um uh, Carlos funding.
1: Carlos Hardy, I did get your email. Oh. I will give you a call tomorrow and get your information. Um, John, we've already got your information. Um, look, if you guys want to attend this uh, live event, you need to get with me right away. We're probably going to sell out this week. So I have very limited inf- space. We're having to kick out the spouses now in order to make room for what I got, what I'm going to sell this week. We also got some some tricks up our sleeve. We're approaching our hundredth podcast here in a few weeks. We've got a special guest. We're not going to let, let you know yet, but we've already got some a commitment for a special guest for our hundredth uh, episode. And also we're gonna we've got some other things coming up. Do you want to talk about the Thursday thing? Or are you gonna let that what do you want do you want to discuss that now or not?
0: Oh well, um uh, it's fine. We're, we're going to interview. Um, we're not going to do it live. Uh, it'll be posted on the YouTube channel, but well, we're going to interview the CEO of lane access. Um, Rick Burnett. Uh, it's an exciting new company. Um, that, uh, is basically kind of a blockchain based transportation management system. Really, really, really cool stuff. I had a, a podcast interview with him the other day, uh, on a terrible podcast. And, um, uh, so, because listen, if you guys are not paying attention to blockchain uh, right now,
1: you need to because that is the future of this industry. So we're yeah, going to, especially owner operator model. You know, they're gonna yeah, they're going to be the first ones that can. You know, it's it's going to eliminate the broker. All right, yep. or significantly change their role, and uh, and the the uh, the owner operator is going to be the first person to benefit from it hugely. So uh get your finger on the pulse of blockchain. It is it is coming. And uh, I said something to, to somebody today. When they decide to turn it loose on this industry, there are gonna be a whole lot of shitty brokers are gonna be pissed off in one week. You know. So I gotta tell this is so good. So I get a
0: we get a text this morning from a driver's twelve hours ago. So what was that ten ten forty two? So 10 o'clock this morning says the load I had picking up in Pearville, Maryland, that went to New York, got moved because of the holiday. Okay. Yesterday was the holiday, right? (laughs) Larry Long's response. And they couldn't figure that out until the day before. Now you see why I posted that warning over a week ago about double checking with your customers about the holiday. We're in, we're in an industry that can't plan ahead beyond the current day. Blockchain will destroy this broker model in one week when it's turned loose on this pathetic
1: group of morons. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I said that. <clears throat> and I did. I told all my guys a week ahead, over a week ago. I said, look, there's a holiday coming up. All right. These morons are not even going to realize that places are going to be closed on Monday. All right. They're going to book you loads. They're going to give you pickup numbers and delivery numbers, and they're not even going to know it. So sure enough, I get a driver that tries to deliver today. And, well, it's canceled. The load yeah. got canceled yesterday because the customer is closed today. That picks Duh. up two days from now. You know, yeah. like the, the, the they couldn't see this holiday coming. You know, it's. flying out of them. Because the you old know, holidays sneak up on you. You know, they're, yeah. they don't, they're not predictable when they're going to, you know, July 4th has been a holiday for 245 years now. And this one slipped up on us. Okay. Do you see why blockchain is going to just completely remove all this inefficiency? You yeah. won't have to have many more. The blockchain knows where you are. It knows how empty you are. It knows, where fra- it knows how many docks you're driving by today that need you to haul that one piece. It's going to be so neat if you embrace it. And, and jump on it and take it. it. There's going to be a fortune made doing this. And we plan on that's going to be one of the blue ribbon logistical solutions. 100%.
0: All right. That's a good place to end it off. Uh, we'll be back with y'all probably next Sunday. And until then, everybody be cool, be safe. We'll see you next time.